Because I end each show with a phrase that goes something like, I hope you stay on the bright side of the beat. You may wonder if I'm always in a good mood, always seeing the positive side of things. My answer is an emphatic no. It's precisely because I know how difficult it can be to see the bright side that I want us to figure out how to get to that promised land. But not through some syrupy, sweet, false sense of positivity. No, I want that reasoned positivity. The positive feeling that comes when you have gone through bad times and made it out the other side, and now you see a brighter path. You begin to see just a little bit of brightness, and there's a sense of hope. And it's that sense of hope that things could become more positive, that you could be happier, more fulfilled. That's what I'm trying to tap into here. That might be happening for you today, but if it's not, I'm hopeful that it will come one day and that you will have built mental and emotional mechanisms to keep that positive spirit alive as long as you can, that you stay on that bright side as long as possible. Why do I feel positive? It's not because I'm always happy. Quite the opposite. It's because I have been shattered and I made it through. My resilience is the source of my positivity. And some days it's with me and other days it's not. I'm Jill Hodge, writer and host of Let the Verse Flow, a bi-weekly personal growth podcast where I share my special mixtape of stories, poems, and music that's designed to help you turn your struggles into strength. It's a new brand of self-improvement. The opinions I express here are my own and not a substitute for professional help. If you need someone to talk to, please reach out to a mental health professional. Now, sit back and relax and listen to my reflections from the bright side of the beat. I can make it through the week with a pocket full of candies to help me plaster on a smile that's syrupy and sweet. I can fool myself, hands tied behind my back as I slide down the wicked slide. But only for so long. I can look between the trees to see what lies beyond while moss grows up the trunk and sap rolls down my roots. They meet me in my crevice and strangle by my feet, so that walking stops, as does the breath, across a brutal way, basic and replete. Hush the wind as pounds beat my temple and find me half asleep. But as I feel this bitter sheath, there rises up a simmer, then a boil. The other side begins to speak. Of sassafras, blackberry, bold and prime. Echoes of past days bursting at the seams. Laughter did billow like marshmallow dreams. 
I know this too is life, and so I wait through heavy times for a new day when things do show how life can turn fast and quick on a satin dime. Why do my poems start out dark and lead themselves toward brightness? I think it's because by nature, I'm sort of resilient. I have a resilient nature because I can't take it when life feels broken for days on end, month after month, because I look for and then I find hope in small gestures. Sometimes it's, you know, natural beauty or primal beats in music. I find the bright side of the beat, and I want you to find it too. I won't try to cover up my pain or yours, but I will open the door to comfort for both of us. And we need that. I hope you feel the warmth from the bright side of the beat. I hope you invoke the spirit of the bright side of the beat. I hope you bathe in the light of the bright side of the beat. I hope your friends dance and sway to the bright side of the beat. I hope you play in Never Never Land on the bright side of the beat. I hope your heart beats in unison with the bright side of the beat. I hope you are loved by someone who knows the bright side of the beat. I hope you capture and hold the bright side of the beat. And when you do, please repeat and say it proudly. I will stay on the bright side of the beat. Today I want to talk about positivity. Not the sweet version of positivity where butterflies fly around my head and I talk about how blessed every day is, but a more real and nuanced sense of positivity, one that's tied to building resilience. I may take a meandering road, a winding road. I may fall apart for a time. I may cry. I can yell or take a misstep but I always manage to come back to what's good in my life, what I feel blessed over. It's part of my nature and something that I developed during my early childhood. But I do have moments when I'm down and I have stages of life where I've lived with depression. The last few years have been particularly rough, and that's one reason why I created this podcast. I wanted to move forward and look for and cultivate the positive takeaways of the dark times I was going through while dealing with my mom's dementia. And there are different sides to this experience. You know, there's the darker side of watching her lose herself, literally, like her independence, her thinking, and her communication skills. I mean, she's speaking in one words, you know, it, one word at a time now. Um, and of her losing slowly with each new stroke and health crisis, little bits of her independence and and her ability to communicate. On the other hand, while I wouldn't exactly call it a positive feeling, I do have like this growing 
little bit of growing sense of peace about this long and slow transition toward that inevitable time when she won't be around anymore, when she'll die. And it's hard for me to even say that word, but these months and years, it'll almost be two years in October since her first stroke, have helped me get get it out and kind of face it. And lately, I realized that the slowness of the transition, while it was exhausting and it's like terrible at some times, it's really prepared me to say goodbye to her in phases and to discover who I'm going to be when she isn't here anymore. Jazz music makes me feel closer to my mom. It reminds me of who she is and what she believes in, what she loves. And I must keep those memories and thoughts alive. I think in our desire to feel better and happier, we've tried to simplify what it means to live a happy life by looking for a list of tools. You know, we try to reduce our concept of what it takes to be happier into a series of orderly steps, you know, perhaps from some top 10 list or, you know, the latest blog article, let's say, on, you know, how to be happy, happier, how to live a happier life. But it's starting to feel harder and harder to justify this like simplistic view of positivity given the state of the world and the hard times we've had, you know, whether it's that's the pandemic, whether it's economic stress, natural disasters, you know, or deteriorating race relations, somehow advice to like get a facial or take a bubble bath or even walk in nature doesn't cut it anymore. And on its own, it's not really a framework from which to heal. I think we need more resources on the healing process. And that isn't the same as a list of enjoyable or even healing activities. We need more insight into both how to, you know, fortify ourselves, strengthen ourselves against pain and how to sit with it. And I think that's especially true if we are in a transitional time in our life, you know, like a transition to college. Uh, My daughter's in college, so I know a lot about transitioning to college, leaving a job, dealing with a health issue, or saying goodbye to a family member, which is what I'm doing now. In the combination of emotions that I feel, there's anger, there's sadness, there's frustration, there's fear, and then there's this like life-sucking fatigue as a result of my mom's health crisis. It cannot be overcome by a quiet night of reading a favorite book with a cup of coffee. There are these like physical and emotional wounds that need healing And the surface mode of self-care that I was familiar with just didn't cut it. Even like typically helpful self-care acts like talking to a friend just felt like too much, even a couple of months ago. So I've been thinking about what I relied on during those times. How did I manage to bounce back and recoup my resilience after many nights of exhaustive sadness and pain and crisis? And the answer is, in some ways, um, I return to my natural state. I return to the person that I am, one who needs to like cry it out, get things out that way, maybe feel kind of depressed and, and then 
there were days for sure that I felt sort of numb for a while before I just can't take it anymore. And I just start pulling myself up and regrouping and beginning to look again for the good in my life. And for others who don't have that natural pattern to fall back on, it can be much harder. And I recognize that. And I don't want to downplay how hard it can be to feel more positive emotions during times of struggle. I still think there are better routes to contemplate than a bubble bath. So here are a few options for moving toward a more positive place during these hard, hard times. I'm going to talk about a bunch of interrelated topics instead of steps, because there is nuance in how you approach this. And a list of items reduces that in a way that I think is unhelpful and not really truthful to the depth of your feelings. If you are feeling numb, which is my default mode and probably related to my underlying depression, then feel numb. Walk around and experience it and don't apologize for it. Hopefully you can move through it, but being fully yourself in your exhausted emotional state helps you own your state of mind. And I think that's a more helpful place than ignoring it or covering it up with, say, drugs or some self-harming behaviors or just trying to ignore it and sweep it under the covers. It always comes back. So sit with your feelings or lack of feelings and don't judge yourself. Don't judge yourself. Judging is a fucking waste of time. Don't do that to yourself. During this time, give yourself extra space by setting boundaries with others if you have to. You don't need to feel watched and you don't need to like waste your mental energy that you really don't have to explain your feelings to others unless it helps you to talk about it. And then I would recommend a good friend or a therapist, anyone else. And this is especially true of like casual friends, coworkers, and strangers. They can be put on the back burner for now. You don't owe them an explanation. At work, I sometimes go and I close my office door and find that I'm able to like write my business proposals with this sort of added intensity and energy uh, when I'm going through really tough times. It kind of helps me shut off my emotional brain and turn on my rational one. And it helps take my mind off of my troubles. I reduce my personal interactions and focus on concrete work tasks that take my mind off my worries just for a while. And on days when I'm not able to get off the couch, I don't get off it. Couch time is part of my self-care. Walking around the apartment in comfy clothes, crying when I need to, talking to myself about how I feel, sleeping a bit more, maybe watching TV. These are all transitional activities for me when the world is too much. I plan for them and I use my days off for this type of self-care but I do know deep in my heart that I'm going to get back on my feet because, as I mentioned, I think that's just part of my nature. But for those of you who struggle to get out of these stages of depressed feelings or other painful emotional states, I think it's important to ask yourself what you care about, even in your darkest times. Is it your dog or your pet or a child or a younger sibling is it your art? Maybe it's music, you know, your lover or your good friend. 
Maybe it's your plants and your books. You know, try to claim something that means a lot to you and reflects a feeling of love within you. Something you care about and something that helps define your worth or kind of reflects your true identity. Often it's certain people in our lives maybe or our volunteer work to help someone who has less than we do or an artistic passion that comes to mind. This is what moves and enervates your heart, you know, and thinking about these passions helps you reconnect with your inner self. You offer comfort to yourself as you would comfort another person or an injured pet or a sick family member. You call up kind of a pleasurable or authentic feeling state and you just sit with that for a while. And your closeness to this caring, whatever it is, is connecting you to one of your strongest internal capabilities, your sense of compassion and inner joy. It may not feel joyful at the moment, but you are building the capacity for joy by sitting in close proximity with something or someone you care about. I hope this helps sort of reawaken your heart because action to rejoin the world in a more joyful space comes from this same heart and spirit. I mentioned comfy clothes, there's fluffy pillows, comforting food, but other sensory experiences can set the atmosphere for experiencing more positive moments. You know, water is one of my favorite sensory experiences, but bubble baths leave me feeling, eh, you know, I can take them or leave them. And when I'm sad, they can actually make me feel more down. They really don't fit into my self-care. But short walks, you know, head down and staying to myself, but just walking, that can kind of start me on the path to a better mental state. And I, you know, I start to remember that I'm part of a greater universe and I, you know, make little connections to the nature and the beauty that I see around me, even if it's just for a few moments. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this recently. You know, it's just a little one. A very recent example was my sadness at saying goodbye to my daughter as she returned to school. You know, I've struggled with this like empty nest feeling, saying goodbye to her each year as she returns to college and leaves our house. And it turns out that you don't just say goodbye once at like freshman year when your child goes off to college, but you have to say goodbye four times <laughs> before the start of each year. So I'm in Boston and it's a beautiful weekend, like, and I'm helping my daughter unpack and get her apartment ready. And somewhere, somehow this switch just turns on. And I start to think about leaving her to return to New York. And it's literally like the most beautiful day of the year. You know, it's a lovely day. Literally, there are birds chirping outside under blue skies. And one minute I'm enjoying setting up the room and shopping with her. And the next minute I started thinking about leaving her. And yeah, I've, I've left before and I've done it without crying, but not this time. This time I had this sadness just come over me and it colored the whole rest of the evening. And as I was walking home through this beautiful section of Boston, there are all these like historic homes with these grand flower beds. I was actually angry at the beautiful flowers because as I walked and I passed them, I, I could kind of recognize how beautiful they were, but I didn't want to see that beauty while I was like dealing with trying to hold back tears because I was 
you know, crying in public. But even when I was sad and strangely angry too, I knew that my walk to the hotel was just like priming me to feel better. And I wasn't ready to feel better in that moment, but I knew I would get over these feelings. So, you know, that's a small example. Obviously, it's not like, you know, deep, deep sadness, but I have found that nature and like sensory experiences are very powerful for me. They kind of ground me and bring me back to, I don't know, to the beauty of the world, you know, Um, and it just sort of helps me rebalance my thoughts and connect with something that's bigger than my momentary worries. So I ask you, what feels good to your sensory system? Could a sensory experience like walking in nature or drawing or listening to music or self-massage or walking on the beach maybe help reorient you to see your uncomfortable feelings in the context of a larger world? Uh, Maybe that's a possibility. You know, I find that opening up the world uh, through these walks reminds me of how I am connected to everything else around me. And that reorientation kind of puts my sadness in its place. It is, it, it's no longer the center of my universe anymore. And from there, I can let my sadness kind of express itself and just be with it. And then I just slowly watch it slip away. Perhaps seek out a good sensory experience and connect your mind and body in this way and see if you can kind of recenter yourself. I often end the show with my little tagline, you know, something like, may you stay on the bright side of the beat. And this saying is meant to remind you of a few things. First, that there is a bright side to our situation, even if we can't see it right now. Most stressful situations and challenges can work themselves out over time, and working through our challenges gives us the opportunity to strengthen our inner beings, our inner sense of self. Um, The saying also contains a call to action to stay on that bright side, to actively try to see more of the blessings in your life. And that doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge the pain and the struggle you may be going through. It's more that you know in the back of your mind that you have some agency and control in how you perceive your life and that you can try to stay positive and see the good even while you try to heal from the painful moments and situations that you may find yourself in. And then the beat I'm referring to is our heartbeat, our very life essence. But it's also about the role that music plays in our lives letting the beat take you to another place for me means giving in to the healing power of music to connect with the very core of my being and immerse myself in sensations that are connected to my body more than my mind you know music that just the beat of it helps me get out of my head and into my heart speaking of music there are some songs that i can put on when i feel uncomfortable emotions and they help Um, usually they help kind of ease my mind a bit. Um, it's something about the energy in these songs, but I always return to these songs. They're, they're really songs of empowerment for me. Um, and I thought I'd share a few of them. So the first one is Drake's song headlines. This is that like boastful one in the music video where he's in the elevator. Um, first he's on like some baseball field. I don't know. He's on a field and, you know, he's the only one. He owns the whole field. And then he gets into this elevator and then you see him and his, his crew and, you know, they're, they're just really boastful. They're sitting around a table and, 
you know, like they own, they own everything. But the boastfulness and the young sort of up and coming quality of the song reminds me of my, you know, earlier stages in life when I, and how I kind of had to climb up. Somehow the cockiness in his voice takes the edge off of my anger. And then the heavy like synth sounds throughout the song give it a powerful edge and builds up a desire within me to sort of fight against, you know, fight back against my struggle. So Headlines kind of does that for me. It kind of makes me feel like sort of cocky and kind of like, you know, yeah, I, I got this. And then there's J. Cole's song, Middle Child. He's going to make sure that realness prevails. Yes, he will. And he he's so authentic and he has like such a thoughtful voice that he kind of expands my view so I can see the big picture. So I get out of my head again and I just know that J. Cole is speaking the truth when he promises to give us something we can feel. You know, middle child, he says something like, I promise I'm going to give you something that you can feel. And, and he does. And then my third pick comes from Kehlani. It's her song, Crazy. Female empowerment at its best. She sings like something like, live for the challenge only makes me stronger. You know, I love that inner strength that she's kind of calling up. But she also... She changes her vocal quality throughout the song. So there's like a soft, then there's a hard, then there's self-assured, all that good stuff to remind me that I will pull myself up. You can hear these three songs. Um, I put them on the season one music video playlist. Um, See the link in the show notes uh, and go over to my YouTube channel to check them out. Um, And let me know, do you have a few songs that help you when your feelings are kind of on overload? DM me on Instagram at Let the Verse Flow and share your picks so I can shout them out on a future episode. So all of these ideas and songs contribute to this phrase of mine, the bright side of the beat. But where does my bright perspective come from? Ultimately, it comes from struggle, from the struggles of my early childhood, struggles that I overcame or at least lived through and then decided we're not going to take me down. I made a pact with myself when I was a young child that if I could survive some of the dark days of my childhood, that I could survive anything. And here's me trying to unravel the puzzle. I call this poem, The Bright Side of the Beat. How do I know there is a bright side of the beat? Because I have seen my love shattered in satin, disheveled from wine. Beyond recognition, but sure, they were mine. Because I have tasted bitter hanging off the vine. Because I have fought against what I barely knew to do. Because I was made strong when I was finally through. My heart did pound and cycle through unrest and states of darkest blue. And through it all the beat was heard, faint, then louder, like thunderous whirls. Because I have known warm sand between my toes and bear hugs in summer. Because I know no one can break us asunder. When I talk about shattered satin in my poem and bitter wine, I'm talking about my early memories of living with a family member with addiction. Like many of you, I had some dark early childhood experiences. Um, 
But when I didn't have much, at least I had my own problems. I imagined that there were people who had it worse than I did because there were, and they were all around me. Even at a young age, I knew that somehow I just knew that I was going to make it. Of course, that didn't mean I made it out fully intact. My childhood left emotional scars for sure, and it left me with my own addiction, my addiction to food, which I used as a coping mechanism to handle my fear and anger over what happened to me as a child. But because being overweight is more acceptable in some ways and sort of less intrusive and impactful on, you know, like my ability to go to school or to work than, say, drinking or drug addiction, I managed to kind of pass through without many people even noticing my issues. But I knew they were there. I had these sort of scary, dark moments. But I also knew somewhere deep inside that I believed I would be all right. I looked at the struggle as my particular struggle and put it in the context of the collective struggle around me And in that light, I could endure my circumstances. And today I feel stronger because of them. I don't want them to get the best of me or rob me of pleasures in life. And if I could make it through alcoholic and abusive family members, heavy drug use in my home and community, loneliness and adulting at a very young age, I can make it through my depressed periods. In comparison, my life now seems like a walk in the park compared to my early childhood, and I'm proud of myself for leaning into my tendencies to see the brighter side of things, or at least wait things out until things start to improve. But that's me, and you may have another temperament, and sometimes feeling good is harder for some people and during some stages in our lives. Can you see your current state of mind as transitional, though? Does it feel possible that this state could be a transitional time in your life? If so, hold on to that opening pathway toward a more positive phase of life. Or maybe it just starts with a single more positive day. And if that's not possible... Perhaps a therapist can guide you toward new ways of thinking. I never had a regular therapist for any length of time, but as luck would have it, I started therapy with this really good therapist right before my mother's first stroke. I look back on it and I feel grateful that I had that new support system in place before her health crisis. I think I started therapy in September and in October, two years ago, my mother had her first stroke. Um, It didn't solve all my problems or even help me feel more positive in those early months. But over almost two years now, I've started to kind of internalize my therapist's little sort of interpretive insights. Like she has this knack for restating what I'm saying. Like she takes my convoluted kind of mumbo jumbo and then she restates it into these little kernels of insight. And she finds these little pockets of like alternative viewpoints or ways of seeing things. And I I don't even pick up on it right away. It's usually like a week later or something. I kind of carry her insights with me. And then over time, they kind of seep in. 
and she takes my thoughts and the things I share in our sessions and restates them in various combinations with like new understandings. And they just, these new understandings start to emerge. It's, it's like magic. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes, um, even though it's not. But, but these help me make these sort of like subtle shifts in my thinking. And a lot of it is about kind of giving me permission to feel however I feel. And that has kind of led me to feel a little bit more comfortable with sitting with my feelings, which is really, really hard for me. You know, I usually want to eat over them or um, avoid them, do work, do something to take my mind off of them. And being with my therapist has helped me just spend a little bit more time with my feelings and also start to name them more. I'm one of those people who really struggle sometimes to even know how I'm feeling. Um, but I found her via the Psychology Today website. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes if you'd like to search that website. I'm really lucky that my health insurance pays for my therapy. Uh, this is the first time in my life, and I've been working since I was like 16, that my insurance pays for my therapy, uh, which I think is ridiculous. Um if you don't have the money or insurance, please keep looking for therapists who accept a sliding scale or maybe offer free help. They're out there and there are some you can filter through in this on the Psychology Today website for sliding scale and um, there are also free options there. So get some help there if, if you need it. If you feel you need somebody, you know, an objective person to talk to, I would really recommend it. Journaling will help you process your emotions much more quickly than just about anything I know to do. Because I've often overeaten to avoid feeling, I struggle to identify how I feel. Am I sad? Angry? Frustrated? It seems odd to me, but sometimes I really don't know. And when I have a flood of emotions hit me, I use journaling, especially creating lists to help me identify how I feel. So here are some journal prompts that might help you uncover your feelings so that you can begin to process them. The first one is make a list or inventory of all the feelings you have when you are going through a difficult time and try to tease out which one or two are most connected. And the second prompt, make a list or inventory of at least three things people or activities that you care about and connect with deeply and write about how you connect to them and why they're so important in your life. And third, think back to a time when you were really happy and ask yourself, can I imagine that I will be happy like that again in the future? And is there something soothing I can do while I wait for things to get better? I hope you have a better understanding of why I always say to stay on the bright side of the beat. It is my wish for you. See you next time. To check out my free podcast, head to my website, lettheverseflow.com, or find me on all major podcast apps. I'll be sharing stories, my original poetry, and music playlists that inspire this show. We're in this together. So reach out to me on Instagram.com, let the verse flow, 
and let me know what you think and what topics you'd like me to cover. You'll also find extras, like how I create this show and what inspires my music selections and poetry. I hope you'll tune in to Let the Verse Flow to hear my reflections from the bright side of the beat.